Welcome to the Love Works Here podcast. I'm Sean York. With me is Hannah Gorham. Welcome, Hannah. Thanks, Sean. It's great to be here. Hannah is my executive director, and she is always looking to learn, but she also challenges me a lot. She actually does the orientation and the hiring uh, and reviewing a lot of the culture stuff that happens in the business she's responsible for. And uh, she has been instrumental in really challenging me to be my best in, in the culture area. So, Hannah, thanks for being part of this. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks, Sean. All right. So what are we doing tonight? Well, we are recording uh, the Love Works Here podcast, episode one, take two. Okay. <laughs> okay, so funny story. Uh, we actually, this is episode one. This is going to be the first episode that we do. And we already did it, right? Yes. We definitely did episode one and episode two. Yeah, we've recorded, we've actually recorded two episodes and they're, they're actually uploaded. They're uploaded. They won't be when this, when this airs, but they, we uploaded them. We recorded them and it was all for nothing. Yeah, it was all for nothing. Actually, this funny story. We recorded, we've got everything together. We recorded these episodes and we were all excited. We wrote all this stuff down that we wanted to cover and we covered it. And I spent actually a lot of time editing and it's live. And everything was finally, like, it was there. It happened. And you recall that, right? Yeah, and it was frustrating because we knew all the stuff. We read Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Yeah, of course. Find Your Why. We knew it all, and we didn't do it. We didn't start with why. This is a podcast about culture and everything that, like, I would say that, like, you should read this book. (laughs) And we didn't didn't obey any of the rules. I think we we started with... Um, a lot of other stuff than why. So we're going to do it right this time. This is the Love Works Here podcast, episode one, take two, the purpose. I love my job. High volume, fast food, 160 employees. It is a pressure cooker and it gets crazy. But I truly believe that it's possible to build a business where everyone loves their job. It sounds impossible. And when I first started this business, it was. I'm not the extrovert or the social butterfly. I'd rather be building systems and crunching numbers on Excel. But I decided to stop making excuses of why I couldn't and start utilizing my love for systems to build a better culture. Today, I call it the York Framework, but it's really just a collection of systems designed to make a better workplace and make people happier. I'm going to share all the mistakes I've made so that you don't have to make them. And we'll look for new problems to solve along the way. I'm Sean York and love works here. Okay, so we're starting with why and your purpose. It's posted in our break room, so I've got it down. It's to seek out the full potential in others and challenge them to live out their best. How does this fit into that? I love finding the potential in others and seeing that. I don't know what it is. I just, I sometimes I can see something in other people. Like it's something within me that is welling up that wants to share with other people that you can do this. We took this whole idea of systems and culture and we brought it into our first restaurant and we saw it just blossom. And I thought it was just a thing that it was just me or maybe it was just the restaurant. But when eventually I started the second restaurant, I saw it duplicate. And I realized that everything that we had done, everything that we had created that had like done well for culture was that it could be duplicated. And at some point I realized this isn't just like a me thing. It's not just a Chick-fil-A thing. It's not a fast food thing. This is a human thing. And I think that this can be duplicated in any business. That really opened my eyes to the idea that it's possible to build any business as a place where everyone loves their job. And I'm motivated to find ways 
to get people to live that out in their own business. And I believe it's true. So you could share that belief in a lot of different ways. You could do a website, you could write a book. Why are you doing a podcast specifically? That's a good question. So I actually wanted to write a book. And a friend of mine, a good friend that has challenged me so much, uh, Justin Clark, he, he, he said, hey man, I really, that's awesome. You're gonna write a book, that's great. What He said, I'm, I'm gonna throw this out there, but I think you should start a podcast. And, and I was like, whoa, podcast, yeah, I've heard of those. Right. Like, uh, weren't listening to any, huh? I had heard a couple podcasts, you know, he, he wrote all the reasons why I should start a podcast and why I should get all my ideas out there. And everything he said, I just said, you're right. You're absolutely right. I should. And it really inspired me to think about my own life and say, what am I doing today that I'll pass on to others? And of, of all the people that I come in contact with that I try and train and, and mentor through the business, uh, I can only speak to so many people. Time is finite, but influence is infinite. And if I document all my ideas and everything I'm inspired by and everything that I have within me that wants to come out and wants to mentor other people and see other people grow, if I document all that, my hope is that I'll have it for someone else for a time that I'm not here. Even though I, I don't know how to record a podcast, or even like script a podcast or I think I even asked him like, do you know what equipment I would buy? So everything from start to finish was like, hey, could you help me with all of this? And he totally did. He, he sent me like links for what uh, microphones I should buy and all this stuff. So anyway, that, so that's where we are. And um, that's why we're here. So cool. So um, speaking of business, to jump to the end of the story, present day, you own two Chick-fil-A restaurants. It's a growing business. It's going to continue to grow. So I always ask in orientation what these new team members think that their owner-operator majored in in college, and the response is typically, oh, business, business, business. It couldn't be further from the truth. Your degree is actually in music education. How did you get to busted. Uh, yeah, I'm a music major. I'm a music guy. And I actually, I never took a business class. Um, I've, I've learned a lot in the business, but yeah, I wanted to be a music teacher. I wanted to be, uh, that was really the only thing in high school that I was interested in. So I said, why not be a music teacher? I could spend my whole life doing the one thing that I really love. Um, that didn't work out. Uh, like I planned. And I ended up found myself at Home Depot. Uh, and I had been at Home Depot almost 10 years following high school. And I was in Home Depot one day and this guy walked in with a Chick-fil-A shirt and he had a logo on his shirt. So I helped him all around the store. I gave him the best customer service I could. And he said, have you ever thought about working for Chick-fil-A? I told him that I hadn't. Uh, I actually worked for McDonald's when I was in high school and I wasn't really interested in fast food. And so he said, you know, if you have any questions, just stop by the store down the street. And, um, you know, he left that day and I was driving home after work and my wife wasn't getting home till a few hours. And I said, maybe I'll stop by. And I, and I stopped by the store and I, and I peeked my head and I said, Hey, I work at home Depot. My name's Sean. I talked to this guy and the operator immediately, she said, Oh my goodness, I can't believe you're here. Come in. I heard all about you. So we sat down and we talked about Chick-fil-A and she said, you know, I've been here eight years and I couldn't tell you one bad thing about the company. And I said, in all my years of working at places, I've never known anybody who couldn't say that they had one bad thing. This must be a unique place. She told me about all the great things about the company, about servant leadership, closing on Sundays. And she said, I would never, 
ask anyone to do something that I wasn't willing to do. And I felt in that moment that, man, this was a place that this was everything I was raised to be. I said, do you think if I put my heart into it and I stayed with you for three to five years, do you think I could be a Chick-fil-A owner-operator? She said, yeah, I think you could. And I said, I want to do it. In that moment. So I went home that day and I, uh, I told my wife, Lonnie, I said, okay, I was in Home Depot. I saw this guy and I told her the whole story. And I said, I want to be a Chick-fil-A operator. And it came so out of left field, but she said, okay, sounds great. Uh, she trusted me. And uh, I started uh, Chick-fil-A in a red shirt, team member, 27 years old, married, college graduate. And I'm in a red, I think my name tag, yeah, my name tag said, uh, manager in training. I was not even a manager. It took me about a month to actually become a manager, and I got a tie, and I felt good about myself. Did you actually start in a red polo? I did. I no, Well, it was maroon at day the time. Day one? No, day one, it was maroon. So there I am. I'm walking to work, first day of Chick-fil-A, and I'm so scared. I'm like, I, I, I'm, a, I'm nervous that somebody will see me and say, what are you doing with your life? I'm, I've got this, this brand new... No, I don't. It's not new. It's, it was used. I think it was someone else's. And I just felt like I'm back in junior high. It's so awkward. My pants are too short. Uh, my shirt's too big. It just nothing fits. And I just go like, God, what am I doing with my life? I'm so nervous that somebody from Home Depot is going to see me and, and say, what are you doing here? So I'm walking and I just say, God, you got to get me through this day because I just I feel like I'm so scared. And, but I knew that I was on the right path because it was so humbling. And I get into work and I say, what do you want me to do? I'll start at the bottom. I'll do the chicken filleting, the raw chicken thing, whatever, whatever you want me to do. And he says, uh, we actually were doing some grand opening stuff today. What do you think about getting in the cow suit? Do you have like a pair of basketball shorts at home? And I said, great. Yeah, that's fine. I'll totally do that. I want to start at the bottom. I want to learn everything. So I walk home, I change, and, and I'm, I'm in basketball shorts and a t-shirt, and it hits me along the way. Just when I think I couldn't get any lower, I'm going to be the Chick-fil-A cow today. And so that was my first day at work. I was the Chick-fil-A cow, and I was dancing on the corner of Bristol and MacArthur in Santa Ana, California. And I actually did the robot at one point, and everybody was honking at me. And it, it was actually a highlight of the day. My first day, that was the highlight. And about nine months in, I, uh, I got a call from my operator. And she said, Sean, have you filled out your application to be an operator? And I said, no, I'm probably three years away from that. Like, why would I do that? Uh, she said, you need to go home right now and fill out your application. They want to interview you for a location. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, I'm not ready for this. Like, I've never written a food truck order. I've never written a schedule. I don't know, like, any of these things. Like, you name it, I don't know how to do it. And she said, you know more than you think you do. Fill out your application and go from there. So I got an interview, another interview, another interview. Things moved so fast. Before I knew it, I got the call, and they wanted me to be the owner-operator in South Corona. It was 2006, November. I remember sitting in the store, and it hit me. I was the owner-operator of a Chick-fil-A franchise, and it was almost exactly a year to the very day that that guy walked into Home Depot and asked me about Chick-fil-A. So you finally had the opportunity to run your own business you're known now for culture. That's what this whole podcast is about. Is that something that you rolled out on day one? Was it something that already existed that you were excited to change a little bit? What did that look like? Okay. So culture for me was not something that was even on the radar. Like first thing right off the bat, who writes the schedule? I got to figure that out. And, uh, you know, staffing, hiring, those were all things like just survival mode for the business. 
And then a few years in, all the things that I was doing well, that the business was doing well, started to fail. Like sales started to drop. Um, labor costs started to go up. You know, food costs and waste started to go up. I really was not doing a good job at running the business. So the first thing I figured out was I got to figure out labor. I got to figure out how to make money in this business. And I really figured it out through systems. And then I figured out food costs. Like I got to figure out how to make money and how to stop losing so much money on food and waste. And so systems. I didn't know how to use Excel until I became an operator of the business. And so, but I, I had to figure it out because, but I loved it. I loved crunching numbers and figuring out like finding the, you know, the cause behind, you know, all these costs. And I was learning like right off the bat. And so eventually it came down to how do I manage people? And that was a totally different story. And I'm three years in and I, at this point I had done a lot of things with systems and I had run a good business, a very profitable business, but I felt like it was just running me ragged. And now that I'm starting to having kids, uh, I couldn't continue to do this. I had to find a better way. I was working late and I remember spending late nights at the business where I would be in the office and not have anything to do. I would think like I'm done with everything for the day. I had a list of things I wanted to do. I'm done. It's time to go home. And I sat there and I couldn't leave. I remember listening to all the, the sounds of the business and hearing the front call to the kitchen and hearing the kitchen ignore the front. And I could just feel the stress of the business. I couldn't leave. I felt like the business was running me. And I said, like, something's got to change. Now, at the same time, there were days where I would be, you know, five, six, seven o'clock. And someone would say, hey, man, are you still here? Why don't you go home with your family? And I would say, hey, you know, really, you think I should leave? And they yeah, absolutely. Like, you've got a family. And I'd give everybody high fives and I'd leave. And I remember just sitting in the parking lot ready to leave and going, like, man, I love this job. And, I, and like, it hit me, like, what's the difference between the days that I just can't leave and the days that like I feel like I'm leaving and giving everyone high fives and they're just like, you know, applauding me out of the business. And the big difference was people in the business who loved their jobs. And I remember thinking at some point, that's the one thing that I have to influence. Because if I can figure that out, that was a business I could really do well with and I could really do long term. I just had this passion starting to well up within me of imagining this business where everyone loved their job. And it was something that it didn't go away. Every day I would think, man, imagine how great this business would be if everyone loved their job. And I remember saying like, as a data person, as a systems person, how do I figure that out? And I went through the data and I found out this guy, there was a guy in, the, in, in Southern California who had, he actually had at the time the lowest average wage and he had the highest retention numbers. And I, and I said, like, from a data standpoint, somebody who has the lowest wage and the highest retention must be doing something well in the area of culture and morale. So I went to visit him and this guy, his name was Zach and uh, just an awesome guy. I remember like I met him in the parking lot and we walked in together and I said, uh, Zach, I really want to learn how you're doing, how you're getting morale, you know, so high and why people are so loyal to you and they stay with you. And so we walk in the business and right away I see people on their break, they're eating their break food and they, we walk in the door and everyone goes like, hi, Zach. And I'm like, oh, great. Like they love this guy. Um, I'm learning this firsthand. And so we walk in, we go into the kitchen and they're saying like, you know, hi, Zach. And he's saying like, Hey, how was your day? How was your weekend? How was, you know, how's your mom? Like, how's your dog? Your dog doing, you know? And I'm like, man, this guy talks to everybody. And I said, Zach, like, 
do you really talk to everybody? He said, I love talking to people. I come in the front door and it takes me 30 minutes to get to the front door to my office because I want to know everything about everyone. Now, me, I'm not like Zach. I'm sneaking in the back door and like walking into my office before anyone knows I'm there. Classic introvert versus classic extrovert. Now, I learned a lot that day. And the biggest takeaway was I'm not Zach. I'm not that social guy. I'm not the guy that walks up to people. It didn't come natural for me. And I left that day actually very defeated. And I was depressed at realizing I finally figured out how to create a business where everyone loves their job. And it's not me. So I went home and I said like, well, you know what? I'm, I'm not a quitter. I'm going to try this. And I've got to find a way to engage my people more because that's the key to getting everyone to love their job. And so I remember saying like, I'm going to become a coffee drinker. And I didn't drink coffee at the time, but I said, I'm going to become a coffee drinker because if I do, then I'll go up front every day and it'll force me to talk to people. And so I remember going up my first day and filling up a cup of coffee and saying uh, to the person that was working up front, uh, how's it going? And she said, uh, pretty good. Okay, good talk. And uh, back to my office it goes. And it just never came natural for me as much as I wanted to engage everyone and be that, that guy, that extrovert, that charismatic leader that Zach was. It just wasn't me. And the more that I tried, the more awkward it got. So eventually, I read this book called Delivering Happiness uh, from Tony Shea. Now, Tony Shea is the founder of Zappos. And I saw some videos about Zappos, and they had an amazing culture. And I was pretty sure it was a really big company, so there's no way that this founder is engaging every one of his employees. And so I said, like, what is he doing to make sure that, like, they all feel loved and they all feel cared for? Like, what is Tony doing to get that great culture, even though he has a huge business and he can't be emotionally feeding all these people. So I read his book, and in the last chapter, he actually talks about some, goes into psychology, goes into uh, the author, Jonathan Haidt, of The Happiness Hypothesis, and really gets like really deep into like Maslow's hierarchy and all this stuff. And um, it was so fascinating. And I said, like, man, to me, this sounds like systems. Like, if you do this, you'll appeal to emotional needs, basic human emotional needs. It was about 2009 Christmas, and I said, you know, there was these four things that if you appeal to these four basic human emotional needs, that people will be happy in the business. And I said, okay, I'm all in. So each one of them tried to like blow them out as much as I could do. Every single thing in the business I could do to appeal to those emotional needs, I'm going to do. And I rolled out the same thing. So what, what was started as this Apple's happiness framework eventually turned into the Chick-fil-A at the Crossings happiness framework because it was exclusively like uniquely it was fast food and Chick-fil-A. And then we took on another store and I couldn't call it the Chick-fil-A Crossing framework. So we ended up calling it the York framework because at this point it was so unique to this industry, to this uh, fast food and to my business. Now, after seeing it develop and seeing it blossom and seeing all these people over time love their job continuously, I've realized it's not just fast food, it's not just Chick-fil-A and it's not just me. These are basic human emotional needs that are being met in the business. And this is transferable really to any business. It doesn't rely on fast food. None of these rely on the Chick-fil-A brand and they don't rely on me. 
It relies on appealing to a basic human emotional needs. It's just how we're wired. Yeah, there's so much good stuff there, but I know we're going to unpack the York framework in episode two, so I've got to cut you off. Um, as far as an intro episode talking about purpose, we have called this thing Love Works Here, and that sounds so completely opposite from all these things we're talking about as far as systems and um, appealing to human emotional needs. Love Works Here. It's a bold statement. Why is that what this podcast is called? Love Works Here is essentially the brand promise for the York Framework. Now, the York Framework is essentially just a bunch of systems. The goal of the York Framework is to systemize a lot of the work that is causing tension and give trust room to grow so that love can stand a fighting chance. Now, I believe when all the systems are in place and all the emotional needs are being met, that love grows. And that's why I call it Love Works Here. That is awesome. So where are we headed next? Uh, essentially, the, the next episode really just opens up the York framework. After that, episodes three, four, five, we'll, we have so many stories to share. Lots of mistakes were made. Yeah, lots of <laughs> mistakes were made. Yeah, and Lessons that's, were learned. Lessons were learned. All right, looking forward to it. All right, well, this has been uh, the Love Works Here podcast, episode one. Thanks for watching. Uh, take care of yourself and be well. Mm-hmm.